I remember when they dedicated the temple, Solomon's temple. The glory was so strong. The Bible said smoke began to fill the room. And the glory came down in a cloud. And the Bible said the priest fell out, couldn't even stand up because by reason of the cloud. Mm, would to God. That was in the Old Testament. That was in the Old Testament, y'all. We got a better covenant based on better promises. I mean, if that could happen in the Old Testament, before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, what should be happening now? I'm telling you, would to God that churches in this day, in this last day, would so seek the face of God. Did you hear that? Seek the face of God. That they would actually experience the face of God. Oh, y'all heard me preach it a thousand times. Just act like you ain't never heard it for all the new folks they could not stand the priest to minister by reason of the cloud the word reason I remember in that little hay barn sitting there looking up that word reason in my Strong's Concordance Dictionary I couldn't believe it it was the word paneum and the word paneum the only definition of the word paneum the first number one definition was the face and I, I'm literally, I'd never heard a preacher preach it in my life. I'd never heard anybody say it in my life. I literally was in that office by myself. I almost fell out of my chair. And I go, oh my God. It literally wrote this way. It was written this way. The priest could not stand to minister because of the face in the cloud. Oh man. We say things like, I seek the face of God. But what if God literally came down in this place and stuck his face in the house and just start doing this. Is that what you want? It's what I want. Does anybody want the glory in this house? Does anybody want to see the glory in this house? How many is ready to see blinded eyes open? How many is ready to see the lame walk? The deaf and the dumb to be healed? Come on somebody. How many is ready for AIDS? to bow, to cancer to bow, heart disease to bow, coronavirus to bow. How many is ready to see God's glory fill this place and manifest in miracles, signs, and wonders? Hallelujah. Look at your hands and say, well, here it is. These hands. Oh, y'all, I wish I had somebody to help me today. Say, these hands are anointed by God. They will lay them, I will lay them on the sick and they will be healed. These are the hands of Jesus as he flows through me and works through me. I don't even know if you know what you just said. Now, now, I don't know who. I'm not, I didn't look out there because I want to be, want to say this with, with a clear conscience and not have to worry about it. Because I don't know, because I, look, I looked over, I, I, I lied. I, did, I was looking at Hutch and Larry. That was it. I, I focused on Hutch and Larry because I didn't want to look out there. But the reality is this, not to beat you up. It's just not to condemn you. You've got to ask yourself, why did you not speak that over your hands? Hmm? Why did you not speak that over your head? Do you not feel qualified? Do you not feel like God could ever do that through you? Well, let me ask you a question. The next question is, why do you feel that way? The reality is this. If you are saved, if you're saved, shout, I'm saved. Oh, I'm about to preach. If you're saved, shout, I'm saved. I said, if you're saved, shout, I'm saved. Now watch this. If you are spirit-filled, shout, I'm spirit-filled. Somebody shout, I got the Holy Ghost. Come on, shout, I got the Holy Ghost. Then my question is, if you're saved and you're spirit-filled, then why don't you think that God can work through you? Pastor Larry ain't nothing but a man. 
Elder Jim, Elder Mac ain't nothing but men. Are y'all hearing me? Just men. But God's anointing is in us, on us, flowing through us. We have confidence that God will do what he said he's going to do. My job is to equip you to have that same confidence to do the work of the ministry. See, I can't lay hands on somebody in your break room. I can't, I can't make it to, to, your, to your kid's daycare to pray for your baby when they call you that your baby's got a fever. But you can. Oh, I'm gonna preach in a minute. How many of us we need a church that begins to believe that they can lay hands on the sick and it shall recover, that they can cast out devils. Come on, somebody. You need to get that revelation. from today is Resurrection Sunday. Two weeks. There again, I know it sounds like I just keep stepping on people's toes. I'm not trying to do that, not trying to be mean, but I got to ask some questions. How many people have you invited to come to church with you on Easter? Listen, don't be afraid that in the middle of a pandemic to invite people to come to an in-person service. What's the worst that can happen? Well, I don't feel comfortable getting out of the house yet. Well, okay, praise God, we'll be live streaming. And move on with your life. Don't be tore up by that because they didn't come to church with you. But watch this. You might be surprised how many people are ready to get out of that house. And they've been waiting on their church to have church. And their church still ain't having church. So they, go, they still love their church, but they're looking for a church to go to church at on Easter. Come on, y'all hear me. You might be surprised how many people are saying, I'm looking for a church that still believes in being the church. I've been searching high and low. I need to visit that church. And of course... People go to church on Easter more than they do any time of the year. And you know what? I used to have problems. I used to, I used to, I used to, you know, preach about them people that was, uh, what what they used to call them, CEO. Yeah, Christmas and Easter only. CEO Christmas. But but you know what? The Lord rebuked me one time and said, "You need to stop that." Because the reality is this: all it takes is them being there one time to be arrested by the Holy Ghost. So, so you try, you're trying to make fun of, you're trying to make fun of somebody because they don't come to church on, but on Easter and Christmas. But what if it's, but what if that Easter and Christmas, and they only want to go those times is the time that they get arrested by the Holy Ghost, and you sitting up there trying to mock them. So you know what? I, I, I take whatever I can get. If you come, especially in this day and time, what a great day to return to the house of God. It's Resurrection Sunday, huh? Y'all remember last year? Y'all remember how weird it was last year when nobody was in church on Easter? In any church? Not just in America, but the whole world. Churches all over the world were shut down. And some of them still going to be shut down this year. You realize the shutdown is over a year old now. And some churches have no intention of ever coming back. They've already said that. I got news for you. We open. We wide open. what you got to do but them doors is open and they ain't closing and I don't need permission to keep them open I got permission mm. well we ain't done this in a long time hand me that Bible right there man let's put a confession up yeah that's it let's get let's get up on our feet I'm gonna preach about one o'clock today come on say this with me I believe the Bible was written and preserved over thousands of years for me. Come on, church, I can't hear you. It is relevant to me, and it is intended for me. I believe I can do everything it says I can do. I believe I am everything it says I am. It is now time for me to receive the anointed preaching and teaching of God's Word. I will listen. I will retain and I will allow the Word of God to change me and make me into the person God desires for me to be. I am a leader. I will take notes because all great leaders take notes. Look at your neighbor and tell him, get ready, get ready, get ready.
And to all the men, if I got any men in the house, give me a woo-woo. To all the men, I found the grass-cutting list. So, I need every man, no matter what your work schedule is, no matter what you think you can do, I told you last week, I'm going to tell you again today, we're talking about once every four to five weeks you'll be asked to cut grass if we do this right. We've got enough men to make this happen. So it's not on just a handful of people. I got a copy of it here. There's a copy of it at the desk. Men of God, if this is your church, and I believe it is, do not leave without stopping and putting your name and contact information on the grass cutting list or, or and or, not or. We need you to put it on the grass cutting list first, but you can do and the baptistry crew. Praise the Lord. Some of y'all are like, ah. I'll set the baptistry up, but I don't know if I want to sweat in the, in the humidity of Alabama. Be a man. So today, I want to talk just a few minutes. Uh, seriously, just a few minutes, because I feel like we're going, we're going to do some work in the altar again today. Something, you know, I'm still in this series repeating. The Lord just, I thought I was going to end it, but the Lord said, no, no, no. You, I, I, I do feel like I'm winding down as we head towards Easter, but... You know, I've said that before. Who knows? It's up to God. So as I began to meditate, I had another message planned, but about two or three days ago, God began to speak to me about this subject of a series that I originally preached in August of 2018. And it was a series called The Power of Honor. Honor. The Power of Honor. Everybody say The Power of Honor. We have an epidemic of a lack of honor. Can I get an amen? People in America especially. We have an attitude. This is our attitude in America. No one is going to be my boss. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. The concept of yes sir and no ma'am. Yes ma'am, no ma'am. Yes sir, no sir. Is almost completely gone. Now I understand the whole world doesn't hinge on whether somebody says yes sir or no sir. But there is something there that is missing when that has removed from the culture. You've got, many of you are, are guilty of this. Stay with me, don't judge me. You're guilty of this. You hit your 30s. Some of y'all had it happen in your 20s. But especially when you hit your 30s, mid-30s, late-30s, all of a sudden the kids in the church and the kids in your neighborhood call you sir or ma'am and your response is, oh, whoa, 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 don't call me no ma'am. I ain't your grandma. I'm not old. I'm still young. And some of y'all will have even rebuked kids when they look at you and say, well, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, ma'am. That's what my mama told me I'm supposed to say. And what you're doing is you are removing, first of all, you're dishonoring the honor that is in that person's family, that child's family. You are superseding the authority of the, of the parent, of the grandparent that taught that child to do that. And secondly, you are being used by the enemy to sow a seed into a child's life of dishonor. Can I tell you something? What does it hurt you, 20-something, 30-something, 40-something? And some of y'all don't ever want to think you're old, even in your 50s. Let me tell you something. You're old. Okay, you're old. But what's wrong with that? Nothing. I'm tired of people thinking that's a bad thing. That means I've made it to my 50s. That means I've, I've got a lot of experience in my life. Praise God. Praise God. That means for most of us, our children are grown and they're out of the house. Praise God. Doing their own thing. Some of y'all are like, well, they're supposed to be out of my house, but they keep coming back to my house. How about this? Instead... Of telling that child to not call you sir or ma'am, laugh it off and receive it. Because let me give you a revelation. They called you sir or ma'am not because you think you're old or not. It's because they think you're old. And by the way, not just that they think that you're old, that you are older. They've been taught... 
Anyone that you feel is older than you is to be respected. So laugh it off. What is it going to hurt you to accept that? See, we want the glory of the Lord in our churches. We want the glory of the Lord in our houses. But we have to understand this, and you might want to write this down. The glory of the Lord will only be produced and manifest in a place of honor. God's glory is not going to manifest in a church that does not honor him. Are you hearing me? But we, Well, I honor the Lord. Well, watch this. The, the, this is going to mess some of y'all up. It's going to mess you up big time. But you need to hear the truth. The way you honor the Lord in many occasions is the way you honor his creation. And, oh, this is really going to mess you up, the way you honor those that he has put in authority in your life. Thank you for three people. See, here's what the Bible talks about. This is the, this is the will of the Lord, 2 John 8. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things that we have worked for, but that we may receive our full reward. God doesn't want us to just barely receive what he has for us. He wants us to receive everything he has for us. And there are things that are reserved for you that are tied to honor. So in other words, if you don't understand honor, there are things that you can never receive in your life because they are tied to honor. You know what? Honor is so important that he put it in the, in the preamble of the law, the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother. Then he says, here's your reward. Your days will be long. So in other words, there was a reward tied to honoring your father and mother. When John wrote this in 2 John 8, it is believed that he was in his 90s. He was in his 90s still declaring, I don't want to leave this place until I receive my full reward. You would think at 90, he's already been to Patmos. He's been ex exiled in Patmos. Many people believe he died on Patmos. He didn't die on Patmos. He, would, he actually wrote the book of Revelation, uh, parts of it, when he was uh, brought back off of Patmos and he died of a natural death. He was the only one of the 12 disciples that died of a natural death. But here he is. My God, if anybody has suffered, he literally was exiled on a volcanic island when he received the book of Revelation and all that happened to him there. And now he's still trying to teach teach us that as long as there's breath in our body, there is more that God wants for us. Oh, I'm preaching better than you shouting. I don't want a partial reward. I don't want, I don't want to, I, I, I remember as a kid hearing people say, as long as I get to heaven by the skin of my teeth, at least I'm in heaven. I don't want to get to heaven by the skin of my teeth. I don't want to have to wonder about it. I don't want my kids wondering, what, did he make it? I don't want my wife wondering, well, I praise the Lord, I hope he prayed right before he left this earth. Hope he got that right with God. And I don't want nobody wondering. I don't want to wonder myself. I want to have the confidence of knowing that I'm right with God. I want to have the confidence of knowing that I'm in the will of God. I want to have the confidence of knowing that I'm walking in the anointing of God. I want to know right now at age 53 God is not, not, not only is he not through with me, he's just getting started with me. My latter shall be greater than my former. I'm, God's going to do more in five years than he did in 20 years. Are y'all hearing me? God ain't through with me and God ain't through with you. Somebody shout God's not through with me. There is a reward that is reserved for those who operate in the spirit of honor. And if that's the case, there is the opposite of a reward. Some might even say curse that is tied to dishonor. One of the most powerful scriptures uh, to illustrate honor and the power of honor is, and it's so hard to believe unless you understand honor. You don't get it unless you understand honor. It's found in Mark chapter 6 verse 5 when Jesus is going from city to city doing the works of the Lord. And he says in verse 5, now he, this is talking about Jesus, Mark 6, 5. Now he could do no mighty work there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, it's very important for you to see this. It said that he could 
do no mighty works. In other words, he couldn't do them. That is hard to digest when you're talking about God. Not being able to do something. But you remember, I've told you a thousand times, everything he did, he did as a man who happened to be God, not as God who happened to be man. So the fact that he was operating as God, as man who happened to be God, everything he said, everything he done, how he operated, how he walked, how he flowed in his own spirit was as a man, not as God, so that we could follow his example. Are you hearing me? The Amplified Bible says, watch this, this blows my mind. Instead of saying he could do no works there, the Amplified Bible says, based on the original Greek, he was not able to do. That's, you, you can't hardly wrap your mind around how you going to say that God was not able to do many works. Well, it's because Jesus, when he was walking as a man, was, was with restrained. It's very important for the church to understand what restrains means. This is huge because if we understand what restrains Jesus, then we'll understand what restrains us. Are y'all hearing me? What was it that restrained him? It is found in the previous two verses. That was verse 5 of Mark 6. Look at verse 3 and 4 and you see why verse 5 is in your Bible. As he walked into this town, listen to what they said. Is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, are, and are not his sisters here among us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. So Jesus operating as the Messiah. He's been baptized by his cousin John the Baptist in the River Jordan. The Holy Spirit come down in the form of a dove and lit upon him and ignited him with fire. He went into the wilderness and fought the devil face to face. Came down off that mountain and he said, it is written, it is written, it is said. Came down off that mountain in power. And authority preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He walked into the temple right after that. Found the place where it was written in Isaiah. Opened it up. Found The Bible said he found the place. He was on an agenda. He didn't just open it up and put his finger down and drop it down wherever his word landed. No, he found the place where it was written. And he said in Luke chapter 4 verse 16. So Jesus of Nazareth been brought up of his own custom. I'm going to skip down. And he says, he says in verse 18. When he found the place where it was written. Verse 18. says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives recovery of the sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord Woo, I love this then he closed the book gave it back to the attendant and sat down oh my God oh if only you knew what was going on and the eyes watch this watch what happened they loved him they respected him. They loved him as that good old boy, the son of Joseph. Boy, he ain't nobody reads the scrolls like him. Boy, I love that boy. He's just a good boy. Raised by a good man. I tell you, Joseph gets the shirt off his back. Good boy, good boy. That's a good old boy right there. That Jesus, boy, I love old Jesus. And when, But when Jesus sat down, after he read it, praise the Lord, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, meaning a shock they couldn't believe what they were hearing they'd heard it but they couldn't believe what it did because it's one thing to read it on, on the on the platform of the temple where the scrolls are kept it's another thing to sit down because if you didn't know it already you should know it if you go to this church but there was only one empty seat on the platform and it was always empty and it was reserved for Elijah the prophet because Malachi chapter 4 said before the Messiah comes I will send the I will send Elijah and he will prepare the way so that's why they that's why they leave a place at, at the cedar meal at Passover for Elijah at the table. That's why they reserved a seat on the platform under the scrolls for Isaiah. So they wouldn't know where to sit but in Elijah's seat. So he sat down, oh y'all hearing me, in Elijah's seat. And they couldn't believe it. The eyes was fixed on him. He began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Watch what happened immediately. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? How dare a simple carpenter boy sat down in Elijah's chair. 
The Bible goes on to say, and I don't have time to read it. The Bible goes on to say that their hearts turned towards him. And right there on the spot, they decided to kill him. They pushed him out of the temple, pushed him through the crowd as they're chanting, kill him, kill him, kill him. It's a precursor of what would come when they shouted crucify. But how many knows if it ain't time for Jesus to die, he ain't dying yet. Huh? And the Bible said they took him to the edge of a, of a cliff and was going to push him off the cliff and kill him. And just as they were pushing him off the cliff, the Bible said he walked right through them and they knew not. I mean, they just went... Jesus was on the other side doing his mission. But see, here's the thing that you've got to get. They could not allow themselves to see him as anything else other than the son of Joseph the carpenter. What gives that man the right to tell us that he's going to open the blinded eyes? That he's going to set the captive free. That he's going to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. Only the Messiah can do that. Hmm? Well, another passage, somebody questioned Jesus. They asked him where he was from. He said, my name is Jesus and I'm from Nazareth. If you know anything about Nazareth, Nazareth was, many translations says it was basically an alley. That's all it was. Ghetto, alley, I mean, whatever you want to call it. It was, a, it was a place where, you know, nobody made that turn. How many, how many know some, sometimes that you can, you know, you can be walking down the street and everything's, you know, everything looks, you know, good and safe and all this. And, and all of a sudden you pass by an alley, you see a few dumpsters down there. You see, a, you know, you hear some stuff going down in there, somebody screaming and hollering. And you're just like, okay, okay. I know one thing. Ain't going down that way. Amen. I mean, I ain't going down that way. Are y'all hearing me? They looked at him and they, they said, where you from? So I'm from Nazareth. And they said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? They, they ain't never been a single person of any uh, uh, prestige and do anything positive ever come out of that slum. But ain't it, ain't it just like Jesus to be raised in, in a slum? To be raised in a place that has the least likely to succeed tacked on it. Praise God. Ain't it just like Jesus? Because, you know, I love that about Jesus. Because that, because that's him telling us, I don't care what side of the tracks you're born on. I don't care what your mama daddy's name is. I don't care if you know your mama or you know your daddy. If you don't know either one of them, praise God. I, it, don't, it don't matter what your last name is. It don't matter what the color of your skin is. It don't matter how much money you got. It don't matter what language you speak. God can use anybody. You got to get this in your script, in, in, in your heart, right? You got to get this heart in your heart. Listen, many times a culture of familiarity, I always have problems with saying that word, familiarity will breed a culture of dishonor. When you are familiar with someone, it's very difficult to honor them. Are you hearing me? It's very difficult when God raises them up, puts them in a position of authority over your life, right? You know, I always use the example, when I preach about this, I always use the example of Delane. Delane McCurry and I have known each other since we were five years old. I'm telling you, it's a joke, but it's real. I always tell people, the only person in my entire life that I've known longer than Delane McCurry is my mama. That's it. My mama didn't delay. That's how long we've been in each other's lives. So, so all the way through school, all the way through 12 years, we went to school together. After school, we still hung out with each other. Of course, we still hang out with each other because he's here in our church. He's been, he's been with us from the very beginning. So there was, there was nothing in our relationship other than that we were on the same level friends. And we still are. There's nothing's changed about that. But at some point, God called me to pastor this church, and God put it on his heart to come to this church. And a dynamic shifted. Delane, I cannot remember. I cannot remember. I'm not saying this from my own personal ego, but I'm just telling you the decisions that he had to make in his life. I cannot remember the last time he's ever called me Larry. 
I, I have no memory of him calling me Larry. I was Larry to him my whole life. He shifted my name in his, in his mind to pastor. He calls me pastor when we're at church. He calls me pastor when we're eating somewhere. He taught his kids that my name is pastor so much that y'all know the story that Zane's going down the road one day and he's looking out the window. He's in deep thought. He's just a few years old in his little car seat. And they're like, what are you thinking about? What's, what's on your mind, son? And he speaks from the back row. He said, I'm telling you what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about how cool it is that pastor's name is pastor and he's a pastor. It was because all he'd ever heard me called in his home was pastor. So he shifted that in his mind. This allows me. This is, these are little things that I've decided to do so that I will protect myself from becoming so familiar with my lifelong friend that I can't believe that my lifelong friend could speak into my life as a place of authority. Are y'all hearing me? Ooh, it's getting quiet in here. Now, I don't care what you call me. Just call me for dinner. Praise God. But I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you that familiarity breeds dishonor. I remember, and it's probably still this way, but it's not, nothing like it used to be. First 10 years of our marriage, first 10 years of pastoring this church, we'd go to Christmas celebrations with my family. These are the conversations that I would hear. We'd all be sitting there with my, all my family, all my cousins, all my uncles and my aunts, eating at Christmas. I'm 10 years pastoring. 12 years, 15 years pastoring. Well, what are you doing now, Larry? What are you doing for a living? Well, well, um, well I've, I've, I started church. I've been pastoring now, you know, about 10, 12 years. I know you're a preacher, but what do you do for a living? Because you've got to pay the bills. What do you do for a living? I mean, I had this conversation every year, every year. No one could understand that old Lair, old Lair, go old Lair, cousin Lair, is a pastor. They'd be like, man, yeah, yeah but what you going to do when that runs out? I heard that one. What are you going to do when that runs out? I'd be like, what do you mean runs out? I used to hear that. What are you going to do when that runs out? What are you going to fall back on when that runs out? When it runs its course? I don't plan it running its course. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. I don't get to tell the Lord I'm not a pastor anymore. And now, oh, come on. Y'all don't want me to say what. Now it's shifted from. What do you do for a living? What, what, what do you really do for a living? Now it's shifted to this. Some people in my family would be stuff like, oh, yeah, he, he pastored down to that big church. That big, giant church down there in Highway 79. Woo. He's big-time preacher man now. You don't know what hell somebody's gone through to get where they're at. I don't care who they are and what they're doing. You don't know what's behind that position. You don't know what they've had to sacrifice. You don't know what they've had to go through to get there. But we're so quick to judge them. So quick. Why is it getting so quiet in here? Hmm. See, this happens in many churches. It's not just that people don't honor the pastor. They don't honor elders. They don't honor leaders. They don't honor any level of authority in churches. But we cannot allow ourselves to see them operating in an office of authority over our lives and just look at them as old dot, dot, dot. You can't, as, as a child of God, if you're, going to, if you're going to be in the will of God, you can't judge someone's past or even the fact that they are, you've just known them for so long to equate the level of authority you allow them to be in your life. I'll tell you something else that's powerful. And I'm, I'm not going to look at her because if I look at her, I'll cry. My daughter, Elizabeth. Lizzie, as you know her. She's told me before, Dad, you're not just my dad. Now, I give her the, the right to call me dad. She ain't, 
That would be weird for me if she called me pastor. But, but watch this. When she's up here on the platform, I've heard her say that. You've heard my wife, you know, address me as pastor because she's honoring authority. But, but when my daughter looks at me and says, Dad, you're not just my dad, you're my pastor. Can, I need to ask you a question of my pastor. My son-in-law the same way. My son in I, I, you know, now there's this new term that says my son in love. So it's a little weird. Are you good with son-in-law? Okay, all right, okay. Because all, all my friends are like, that's my son in love. I'm not under the law, I'm under love. My son in grace. No, moving on, moving on. You would never, I, and I would hope that you wouldn't, I would hope that you would never look if you were ever faced with an opportunity to speak to the President of the United States, regardless of how you felt about their policies, I don't think you would ever look at them in that setting before the sitting president and just call them their name. You would call them Mr. President. Many times the proper honor of officers of God around you is not for your sake, but for the sake of those you are honoring, but and not even for the sake of those you are honoring, but for those that are around you. Because your honor of others teaches others to honor. Your honor of others teaches others to honor. And your dishonor to others teaches others to dishonor. They are following you and listening to you and watching you more than you know. So, when Jesus does not come the way they expect him to come, they withhold honor. The word honor in Greek is the word timi. And it means valuing, precious, weighty, such as gold. Other definitions is appreciate, esteem, favorable regard, respect. The glory of God is weighty. That's what the word glory means, the weightiness of God. So the weightiness of God means, the glory of God means the weightiness of God. And the Greek word for honor is weighty. So honor is a weighty substance that brings the glory of God that is weighty. Come on, somebody. This is good. So I've learned this over the years that one of the ways that I, when I study, I study so weird. I mean, it's so different than most people ever would probably study. But a lot of times when I'm, when I'm confused about something I see in Scripture, instead of trying to break down what I know it is, I try to break down what I know it's not. And when I break down what I know it's not, or what it's not saying, sometimes it helps me to understand more of what it's saying. Right? That, that's just something I came up with a long time ago that helps me, my simple mind. So, the antonym or the opposite of honor is, of course, dishonor. Dishonor means to treat. Watch what dishonor means. This is going to blow your mind. This is the definition of dishonor. It means to treat as common, ordinary, and not show respect. So when you treat something as common or ordinary, you are dishonoring. True honor comes from the heart of man. So, so in other words, what I'm trying to say is it's that way about anything. If, let me put this way. How many, how, many, how many folks in here got a motorcycle? Anybody here got a motorcycle? All right. You got to treat that thing like a baby, right? Don't you? If you don't, it just rusts and falls apart. I mean, it becomes your baby, right? Am I right? I ain't got a motorcycle. I don't know. Cars, trucks, something. Y'all help me. Work with me. How many knows when it's something that you love and it's something that's pretty and you want to show that thing off when you drive it and it gives you joy, you wash it, you take care of it, you don't treat it the same as you treat uh, that old beat up Murray lawnmower that your granddaddy gave you. Huh? It's totally different. So you don't, you don't, you put a special parking spot for it. You, if you got a motorcycle, you put a tarp over it. You don't let the elements get to it. What does that mean? That means, as crazy as this sounds, you are not treating that motorcycle or that car or whatever you fill in the blank as common and just like everything else in that garage. You are honoring it, therefore you are taking care of it. If you just treat it like something you just throw at the corner, that's dishonoring it. You're not going to take care of something that you dishonor. Are you hearing me? 
You, we don't have a right to call any other person common or ordinary. I just barely tapped you. You're so sensitive. I didn't call you common. That's right. I dishonored this microphone. I'm so sorry that I dishonored you. I love you, Bish. Only the, only the praise team gets that. Bish. You did? That's right. You did. Bish. The Bish microphone. This, this is Bish, not because I'm a bishop. This is Bish labeled because this is Bishop Clint Brown's microphone. And I left the Bish on there. I sent him a picture one day. I said, this thing will have to crumble and disintegrate before it comes off. I don't take it lightly that every time I preach with this microphone, I'm preaching with the Bish from Judah Church's microphone. I honor you, Bishop. I do honor him. We don't have the right to call someone ordinary when God has called them extraordinary. When God has said that, we, that every person was created in his image, we don't get the right to display them as common and dishonor them just because of fill in the blank. Living on that side of the tracks, the color of their skin, how much money they have, how much their education level is. We don't have that right. I'm hurrying. So in Luke chapter 5, Jesus teaching in a large house and ministering. It was so crowded they couldn't get all the people in. Watch this. You know the story. So a few of the men could not get their sick friend uh, into there. So they climbed up on the roof. Y'all know where I'm going with this. And, and, but the Bible, what I want you to see more than anything, is not the story about they ripped off the roof and that they lowered uh, the man through, through the roof and on ropes and Jesus healed them. What I want you to see is what was happening in the midst of that. In Luke chapter 5 verse 17, it says, Now, it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. We read right over that. We think that meant everybody in the house. And it did mean everybody in this house. But it didn't. Notice he wasn't talking about everybody in the house. Luke is saying in that house were Pharisees, teachers of the law, religious leaders that had come from all areas to sit in that house. That's the reason the common person couldn't get in the house. There were so many religious people in there trying to dissect and come against what Jesus was doing. And it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Meaning there were sick Pharisees. There were sick religious leaders there. Then behold, men brought out of bed a man who was paralyzed, whom was sought to brought him in and lay before him. And I'm not going to read it all, but it goes on to say, as you go all the way down the scriptures, it says that they lowered him down through the roof. But watch this. Verse 21 says, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, meaning saying among themselves, Who is this who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins but God alone? So Jesus... Knew what was going on. Watch what Jesus said. And when Jesus, verse 22, perceived their thoughts. How many of those Jesus can perceive our thoughts? He perceived our thoughts. He answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you, or to say rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, Who have seen such strange things today? So you got a man that's on a, on a bed that's lame, healed. But the ones that couldn't accept that this carpenter's boy had something for them that was greater than what they thought they had for themselves. Because how many knows, when you are a religious scribe and a Pharisee, this is the problem with Pharisees and scribes and Pharisees back then. They knew so much of the word, they didn't think they were anyone could teach them anything. You can become so full of yourself 
But watch this. I'm going to mess some of y'all up. Some of y'all can be so full of Scripture that you've memorized so many Scripture that you're still not teachable. Now, nothing that some, a man says can override Scripture. Right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm, but I'm saying sometimes we might need help interpreting Scripture. But if you're not teachable, you're not reachable. Right? So these scribes and Pharisees were not teachable. Therefore, they were not reachable. God said there was power in that place to heal them. But they didn't get it. But you know who did get it? Someone that said, I can tell you this, I don't care what they say about this man. I know this man has something on him that I need. And if I can't get my friend in the door, I'll rip the roof off and lower him down on a rope. What was that was that wasn't just desperation for their friend to be healed. That was them honoring who was in that room. They they realized I can't take a chance of this man leaving this house. I may not get another shot to see him because that's who he is. That's, that's the power that's on him. Am I preaching good? I'm, hurt. I'm almost finished. So how do we dishonor God now? Well, there's many ways we dishonor God. But one way we dishonor God is when we dishonor who God sends to us. Oh, y'all didn't hear it. I'm going to say it again. One of the ways that we dishonor God is when we dishonor those that God has sent to us. See, Matthew chapter 10, verse 40 says this. He who receives, we're talking about honor in this whole passage here. He who receives honor, you, re you receive me. He who receives me, uh, excuse me. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. In other words, when you honor me, you will honor who I have sent to you. Because when I send someone to you and you honor them, you're honoring me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives or honors a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So when you honor the people that God has sent you, you honor God. One of the most, and I'm closing here, one of the most shocking things that I ever heard as a young minister was when I was sitting in a group of other pastors uh, with Bishop Jim Lowe. Bishop Jim Lowe from Guiding Light Church, one of my closest friends and mentors of my life. Um, early on, when we were still in the hay barn, I met him. He invited me to come and be a part of a group uh, that, you know, we group of pastors probably five or six of us pastors, we met consistently with him, and he would speak into our lives. And when one day we were speaking about, he was teaching us some things. We were sitting there. I was, like I said, you know, less than 10 years in the pastor in this church, seven, eight years in the pastor in this church. And I was just eating every word he was saying. And he said, so let me just tell you something, men, that you may not know how to process. And I didn't know how to process it. He said, this is how I screen people that I'm going to have work on my team with me. Whether I hire them, whether they're a volunteer, but they're going to be in leadership in this house. And we were all getting our pens out. Yeah, because we were all past, young pastors learning how to grow our, our ministry team. He said, I asked those leaders to come into my office and sit down with me and my wife. And I asked him, why do you feel like that you want to serve on this team? And he said, usually it's a variation of something like this. Well, I just feel like God's calling me to serve him and I want to serve God. And he said, I lean over the table and I, I'm over my desk and I say, well, the way you serve God is the way you serve me. So if you want to serve God, then serve me. See, you didn't know how to process it either. 
and, and I'm, I'm, your immediate reaction, even as a pastor trusting this man of God, seeing his success, you immediately go, well, I don't want to tell anybody to serve me because I, we, I teach my people all the time, we don't serve man. We serve God. And he goes, he, and he says something like this. He goes, I know what all y'all are thinking. He said, but let me tell you something. What's happened is I started doing that, and I found out who was truly committed to that was going to stay in the fire and those that were going to be fly by night. He said, because the reality is this, God is everywhere. God is in this room. But God is not the one you're not going to see in the natural realm standing in a place of leadership in this house, casting the vision in this house. I'm going to move on Bishop Jim Lowe, and Bishop Jim Lowe is going to speak unto his house as the shepherd and the father of that house what I tell him to speak and, and to do. And if you dishonor his office, how can you ever think that you can honor God in that house? So he said, look, I don't, I don't and you, just, you have to know Bishop Lowe. He's a very humble man, very humble man. He, he's just like, so, so they know my heart. They know my heart. My heart is I don't want to be made to be something high upon a pedestal. But I'm trying to teach them the principle that the mouthpiece in, their in that house when it comes to this church, not in their house. I'm not the mouthpiece in your house. and You're not the mouthpiece in my house. But I am the mouthpiece of God in this house. Okay? So, so the reality is that's if you got that attitude, well, pfft. I don't like what he said. I, I, I like the first part of his sermon, but the last part of his sermon, that wasn't for me. That was for her. <laughs> I do that too good, huh? I had to make y'all laugh after that. So, so listen to me. I, I got, I'm, I'm, this, is, this, is, this is closing number seven. I'm skipping all the way to seven. So when the scripture that I just read, Matthew chapter 10, about all the different types of people, he, he speaks, he says, if you receive a prophet, that word receive means honor. If you honor a prophet, receive a prophet's reward. If you honor a righteous man, receive a righteous man's reward. Honor one of the little ones you shall be entrusted to authority of God. So in this passage, Jesus is saying there's three, three categories of people that will always be in your life. There will be the prophets. Those are those that are above you and speak into your life in authority. There are the righteous men and women, those who are on the same level as you in authority. Those are your peers. And then there are the little ones. Is what the Word of God records are those people that you have been entrusted with the authority to speak into their lives. So every one of us has someone above us, has many equal with us, and some that we're speaking into their lives beneath us. But God says you don't just honor up. You honor parallel and you honor down. You ever had a job? where your boss was way up here and you're way down here, but they made you feel so good about yourself. When that happens, makes you want to work like crazy for that boss. Makes you want to make them proud. But you've also had a boss that denigrated you because you were not on their level. You were a peon. And you don't want to work for that person. You want to, in fact, you want to do everything you can do to just barely get by, just get a check. Because you don't, you don't respect that authority that's above them because that authority doesn't respect you. Let me give you, let me give you a, a, a little revelation here as I close. Is, is honor is a two-way street. And that also applies to parents and children. Now, watch this. That don't mean you on my level. Because I'm your daddy, right? Now, when you get married and you move out, I'm still your daddy, okay? I, I, you still ain't on my level. I don't care how old you are. You're still your daddy. You're still my, my kid, okay? I'm not, but I ain't, gonna, I ain't got the authority to speak into your life like I did when you was in my house, right? But what I'm saying is, if you're not careful, 
you will take power to another level that it's all about you and you don't appreciate the moment sometimes when you've got to talk differently, act differently to those that you are leading. You are creating resentment in them instead of honor coming back to you. So pastors, leaders, listen to me. Lead by example. Have a humble heart. Be the same guy at Walmart as you are in the church. Amen. I'm not bragging on myself, but I can tell you right now, I'm the same guy. You're running to me somewhere. I'm, I, ain't, I ain't hiding mighty in here, and I ain't hiding mighty out there. I'm going to try my best to be the same guy because I am the same guy. I don't check out of being Larry Ragland when I leave here and check out when I get here. I got the same skin 24-7. Are you hearing me? And by the way, I think you should, I think everybody's on the same page as but I want to let you know, this ain't a sermon about respecting the pastor. That's not what this is. This is a sermon about honor in your life. There are more people in your life that you have to honor every week that you see 10 times more than you ever see me. I'm just saying that a lot of times if you dishonor out there, it is magnified in here. I'm going to tell you something right now. My daddy and my mama was, my mama was a strong-willed woman. And she taught me, you don't take no crap off of nobody. Well, that's good. I ain't talking about taking crap off somebody. I'm just talking about honoring somebody that's in authority over you. Right? I'm closing. I promise you. I'm still on number seven, but I'm there. This is my last thing I'm going to say. You need to understand one last thing, and I'm done. Some of you have a hard time honoring an elected official. Okay? Hold up a second before you think you know where I'm going because you don't. Some of y'all have taken your honor back and forth over the last four years, eight years, eight years, four years. You're going to give honor here. You're going to take honor here, saying things. For you, for you think who you know I'm talking about because I heard them from, from every one of you. I, I'm not y'all, but I heard it from people on both sides of the aisle. Obama was president. I heard folks saying, that ain't my president. He ain't my president. Bush was the president. He ain't my president. Donald Trump, I tell you what, he ain't my president. Now Joe Biden, he ain't my president. Well, I'm a, I'm a, let me help y'all. He's your president. Let me just go ahead and help you. He's your president. I don't care if you think that how there was a lady. He's the president. He lives at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. He's the president. So whoever is the president is your president. And you can say all you want to say that he ain't your president. But guess what? He's one signing laws. He's the president. So he needs to be honored as the president. But now let me finish by this. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And I hope you all clap that that good the next time the president's elected and, and it's a different political party and that you don't just clap when I tell you to honor the president of that's your political persuasion. Because here's the reality. I don't care what side of the aisle they're on. If they're the president, they're the president. If it's a governor, they're the governor. If they're mayor of your city, they're mayor of your city. You don't get to say, that's not my mayor. That guy over there is my mayor. Well, he come in second place. He's not your mayor. He wanted to be your mayor. You want to be your mayor, but he ain't your mayor. When they have city council meetings, is he sitting in the mayor's chair? Nope, because he ain't the mayor. But here's why I want to close by saying this. The thing that blows my mind with children of God is they have such a hard time honoring elected officials, but an even harder time truly honoring an unelected official, a king. Our God is not an elected official. Are y'all hearing me? Our God was not voted in by you, and you can't vote him out. He is not only a king, he is the king of kings. He is not just Lord, he is the Lord of lords. Are y'all hearing me, church? So our God shall be praised in this house, shall be honored, 
no matter what it looks like he's doing or not doing, we will honor you, Lord, because you deserve our honor. I wish somebody stand up on their feet right now and just honor the Lord right now. Just don't honor me. Don't honor this sermon. Just raise your hands, clap your hands, whatever you want to do. Just honor the King of Kings right now and the Lord of Lords. Oh, we honor you, Lord. 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 We acknowledge your majesty. We acknowledge your glory. We acknowledge who you are. Lord, you've never had a beginning. You'll never have an end. Nobody put you on the throne. You sat down on the throne because you are God. You spoke to nothing and nothing became something. You who do no sin became sin so that I might be saved. You were tempted like all manner of man yet without sin. You're the son of God. You're the son of man. You're the bright and morning star. Woo! You're the Messiah. You're Yeshua HaMashiach. You're the lamb. You're the lion. Glory to God. Woo! You're seated on the throne. Praise God. You laid down your life for us. But on the third day, the stone was rolled away. Oh, and you came back from the dead. You're alive. Oh, when your body was in that tomb, Lord, we acknowledge you didn't just lay there. You went into hell. You took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. You made an open show of the devil. You emptied out Abraham's bosom. Oh, you took paradise to heaven. Oh, God, we acknowledge that you, even though you're not with us in the natural, you're here with us in the spirit. You sent the comforter. But, Lord, where you're at, Jesus, you're building a place. You're preparing a home. You're, you're building New Jerusalem. Lord, we acknowledge you're preparing a place for us that with you we shall forever be. Oh, God, we say to you, Lord, just as the angel said, why stand you gazing for in like manner as you see him go away? He shall come again. We acknowledge today, Lord, we preach in this church. We believe in this church. Jesus, you're coming again. You're coming back. You're coming back for those that are looking for you. You're coming back for those whose gowns are white. You're coming back after those who, who's been cleansed. You're coming back after those whose, uh, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Whoa! Hallelujah! If you're here today and you need to honor God in a way of just, just giving God your past your present sin, whatever's in your life. You just need to repent for some things. You need to get some things right with God. I'm just opening these altars right now. I tell you, just come up here and find you a place and kneel before the Lord and just talk to the Lord right now. Just come on. Just come on. I see people coming. Come on. Who else is coming? I'm talking about just, just acknowledge His majesty. Just come and you don't, you don't have to have somebody lead you in a prayer right now. Just, just come and talk to the Lord right now. Just come and talk to Him. Just come and talk to Him right now. All these altars are here for you. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody just praise Him. Somebody just honor Him right now. Thank God for what's happening in these altars. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the people being obedient to you, God. Right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. If you're here today, you're here today, and you're just being honest with yourself. There's some things in your life that dishonor dishonor has has affected your life and you realize that, that not just with God but you've dishonored people uh, in your life that you should you should have been honoring in your life and, and God has convicted for you that he's not he's not condemning you he's convicting you for that he's giving you the opportunity to talk to him about it and, and you, just, you just nobody needs to know what the deal is nobody needs to know what's going on but maybe you need to come right now I feel less some of you need to break that thing come to this altar fall down before you and God's going to give you instruction on how to do this I feel the Lord's going to give you wisdom on how to make this right how to honor the ones that are feels dishonorable to you is there anybody is there anybody that needs to come is there anybody i know there is i know there is thank god i see people coming thank god i knew it i knew it but i believe there's more i believe there's more I, I don't i don't usually do this but i believe there's somebody in this section right here somebody in this section right here the holy spirit is saying listen i know what's been done i know what's been done i know what's been said but but you got you have to give it to god right now you got to give it to god and god's going to teach you a way uh, to, to break through what's been done to you so that you don't have to hold on to it somebody in this section needs to obey the lord Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. That's up to you, it's up to you, that's up to you. I'm going to tell you something, you take it home with you, you take it home with you, 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 don't, you really don't have the right to say, when, when am I going to get free from this? When, is this, when am I going to finally ever get, get over this? 
You took it home with you. You chose to take it home with you. You, to cho you chose to take home what somebody else did to you a long time ago. You won't, you, won't, you won't believe that God can allow you. Let me tell you, one of the hardest things in the world I ever had to do was find a way to honor a man who had never honored me. Never. I had to find a way, and I, I didn't find the way. It was only through repentance and it was only through God putting a heart on me to love somebody with the moments that I still had with them, knowing what they had done to me. It was most in the world when I finally let it go. When I finally let it go. You need to stop blaming other people. Where you're at. You need to let it go. I'm going to wait a few more minutes. You say, well, I'm not in that section. Well, you can still come. I don't have to call you out of your section. You love your church. I love my church, man. I love a church that ain't scared. Y'all ain't scared to get a hard word. Y'all ain't scared to release your pastor to teach what the Word of God says. Because all I did was teach what the Word of God said. I didn't teach. I didn't teach out of offense. I didn't teach out of hurt. I'm good. I'm just teaching what the Word of God said. Amen.